Praise ye the Lord. So this is awesome because um, we started it last week and I'm going to keep going. But this time I'm going to talk about it from the perspective of grace and the power of grace. Um, what does it mean? People have said to me, and I've always thought my life, God's unmerited favor. What I've learned about words, especially in, well, even in the English language, depending on the sentence that it's used, it has a different meaning. And depending on the time it's being used, it has a different meaning. So we just can't take a word in, from, the, from the Bible and say, it means this, without understanding the context and what's, what is used in. Like, and I can just give you a simple example that you can relate to in everyday life. That's bad. That's bad, right? You know, it, it's a different meaning. I, I mean, I, I remember when stupid was like a positive thing. Yo, that's stupid. Like it, it's, things change, right? Um, the, the power of how the word is used and in this context means a lot. So grace is God's unmerited favor. But in this case, it's being used with a different power and in a different meaning. So I want us to go back to 2 Corinthians. And um, this is this is great. I want us to see this. This is so powerful. Um, and we're going to talk about what we talked about last week, but from a different place. I mean, 2 Corinthians, that's the first Corinthians. 2 Corinthians, I'm sorry. Chapter 12. And I want us to go back there again because I really want to bring this point home in a different way. Um, but I want to take it from the beginning, from first verse one this time. I'm going to hit on a couple of things and then I'm going to move to the point. So starting at verse one, he's Paul is talking. He says, it is not expedient for me, doubtless, to glory. I'm reading out the King James, so it's a, it's a little little double, double English. But he said, you know, he's trying to be cute. He's saying, you know, I don't want to boast, but I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. He said, I'm not trying to brag, but I want to talk about visions and revelations of the Lord. You with me? I want to brag, but I want to talk about vision and revelation of the Lord. Then he does this thing where I say he's being cute. I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago, whether in the body, I cannot tell, or whether out of the body, I cannot tell. So he's saying, I'm going to tell you that I know a man some years ago, he's talking about himself, that I knew him about 14 years ago, and he has some experience, whether it was in, in the realm of the spirit or in his body, I, I can't decipher. Do you understand what that means? Do I need to explain that? He's saying like there's times that God takes you away in the spirit and you go off in the spirit and you see things. And then there's times you just see stuff within yourself, within your spirit. And he said, I don't know if this was an outer body experience or inner. I'm not really sure. I just know this dude, you know, uh, this guy who knew this guy who knew this guy's cousin, right? 
He said, I know, I know of this person, and he had this experience. Whether in the body or out the body, I cannot tell. I just want you to know he's talking about himself. Um, and whether anybody, I cannot tell. God knoweth. He said, God knows. But such a one was caught up into the third heaven. So now it makes sense. He don't know if that's where he physically went or if it was an in-body experience, but he knew he was caught up into the third heaven. And I knew such a man, whether in the body, out of the body, I cannot tell. God knoweth. How that he was caught up into the into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. On such a one I will glory, yet of myself I will not glory, but in my own infirmities. So I want to lay this out. So he's going to go into this whole story about the spiritual revelation. I don't want to say who the guy is. But I just want to say there's a man... He has some experiences, whether in the body, out the body, only God knows. But he was caught up into the third heaven. Whether he was in his body, out the body, I still can't tell. I don't want to brag. I just want to talk about this guy, right? Which is me. But here's the point. He said he heard unspeakable words. Now, I know a guy who, when he got saved early into salvation, was caught up into the realm of the spirit, rather in the body or out of the body. I cannot tell, but this guy that I know was caught up into the heavens and heard the Lord speaking words that were unspeakable words. And that person that I'm talking about at the moment could hear and understand in his spirit what was being said but knew that whatever was being said would not be able to be repeated in my natural human tongue. I mean, his natural human tongue, right? And anyway, in that situation, I understand what he meant. And I remember when I first read this scripture, I bore witness with it because I remember having that experience and knowing I was in the presence of God and feeling the presence all around me and hearing him call me by a name that was older than time. I knew what he was calling me and what he was saying to me was something that went beyond the lifetime that I had experienced so far ever. And it was eternal. Why? Because we're spiritual beings and we're put into a natural body. So you have a covenant with God that goes from everlasting to everlasting. That's the word. But what we need to understand is the finite bodies we live in have come to define us in our mind, but it's not who we are in the realm of the spirit. We are eternal beings. Hmm. It's powerful. So he's talked about hearing these things that went beyond his ability to speak. Words that couldn't even be re-uttered. I knew what he called me that when I came out of this, I would not be able to repeat it. Now, here's the point. He lays this out from the spiritual perspective to then begin to break down a natural understanding of something that he probably understands that the average person won't pick up. But what's being said, Lord, help me explain this. What he's trying to exp express is this. I'm going to tell you something that has the same kind of depth and spiritual meaning to you, but I'm going to have to now break it down in natural fleshly 
plain English. And as I make this comparison, I need you to understand that what I'm saying to you has the depth and weight of this experience that I just told you about. Did I lose anybody? Okay, good. So when you're trying to explain spiritual things in the realm of the physical, it loses value in the translation. The power and the dynamic of what's being said ceases to have the power and dynamic that it would have because I'm now trying to explain it to you in English. So as we're reading the word of God, we understand spiritual things are spiritually discerned. That means you're not going to really be able to just read the Bible as literature and then try to walk out it in real life and see a manifestation of it. It has a spiritual dimension and context that's not translatable from the realm of the spirit to the earthly realm, clearly, clearly. Got it? So have you ever had a leading on your inside and you tried to explain it to somebody and you just could not find the words to say to them what you were feeling on your inner self? Here's what he's talking about. So he went on to this, I know a man, but then the body, out the body, I cannot tell. And then, all right. And he tried to find a way to say to them, I'm not trying to boast about how spiritual I am, but this man received a thorn in his flesh. And I went to the Lord three times and he switches over to him, take it from me. And the Lord said, my grace is sufficient for you. So I'm going to jump down to that verse now. because I want you to understand exactly what he was talking about. So he started out talking about this great experience he had in the realm of the spirit, rather in the body, out of the body, I can't tell, God knows. And, and this man was before the Lord and heard unspeakable things and great things, rather in the body, out of the body, that's between God and that person. But then he said, unless I should be exalted, verse seven, above measure, through the abundance of revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. So now you know he was talking about him. So he's saying, so I don't get too big headed and puffed up. He forgot he was talking about the other person. He now brought it to him. He said it was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. So um, he's saying, because of the revelations I got and what I saw in the spirit and all the power and anointing that God was putting on me, the thorn in the flesh, is, we did this last week, I won't go over it long, was not from God, it's from Satan to buffet him from being exalted too much or being recognized too highly. Let me help you out with a thorn in the flesh. How many of you know and understand if you become big and successful in anything, the media, the people, the naysayers, the whatever going to come after you? Now, I'm going to lay this out. People who see you when you're down will promote you and push you and say, you can do it. Don't give up. You know, I believe in you, right? You have those people in your life. And then once you get up, those, some of those same people will tell you, don't forget where you came from when you think you to this and you to that. The same people who told you to be greater will then despise you for being greater because they won't want you to be above them. 
And I saw a link today where a woman was, she was trying to be compassionate in her explanation. She said, when you change, you hurt people because they're now losing the you that you were, which they've come accustomed to, and they need you to stay that person. There's a relationship that's been developed between you and what you were that now what you're becoming is taking from them in their mind. I still don't give them justification for that, but the point is I understand it right. When God gave me the revelation, who are you apart from what people expect from you? Once you become that something else, you no longer what they want or need you to be. Paul is talking about an experience that he has gone through that has changed him and altered him from the spirit to the natural. Are you paying attention to me? And as a result, he feels the need to let people know, I'm not trying to boast or brag because he knows that there are people now who are going to be offended at this level that he's on and at. You with me? I'm saying to you, the messenger of Satan will then come and try to have people throw dirt on you to keep you from being praised too much or too many people looking up to you. You have the, the, the demons come or the devil come and have people try to throw dots at you and point out your flaws and your imperfections or weaknesses, even if they don't really exist. They'll tell you, you, you think you better than me. Oh, you also oh, who you think you're, oh, you, you, you know, you selfish and you're only thinking about yourself. Well, well what do you want me to think about you? Because that's why you call me selfish. You call me selfish because I won't think about you, which is, is the definition of selfish. Okay. <laughs> Sit with that a minute. It, it'll click. Right. So selfish people keep calling people selfish because you won't do what I want you to do. Now, that's not the point. Here's the point. Well, it is the point. It's part of the point. So the thorn in the flesh has come. He has this thorn. I don't think he was walking around with a little thorn in his flesh saying, God, take the thorn from me. God would like, like, take your fingers and pull a thorn out, dummy. It's not that big of a deal. It's a thorn, you know? So, no, he's not talking about a physical thorn. He's talking about in his in, uh, something being thrown at him to hurt him, to keep him from being exalted or rising to the level that God has called him to. I'll say it one more time. He's talking about a thing that is happening or is being said that is being thrown at him by the messenger of Satan for keeping him to keep him from rising to the point of prominence that God has called him to so that he could be recognized the way he's called to be recognized. Do I get an amen or something on that? So you, you, you're called to do something great and be great. And the enemy will then try to raise people up to cause things to happen in your life that look like failures or mishaps or short steps. And the, the, the reason for that is to now make you feel unworthy of what God has already promoted you to and called you to be. I want to say to you, you are who God has called you to be. But that's not going to stop the enemy that's not going to stop the enemy from trying to throw a rock or a brick at you to keep you from achieving that or becoming that because he needs you to stay in your place. Just like these family and friends need you to stay in your place. We've decided where you need to be and you deciding to step out above that makes us uncomfortable. So stop it. Now, I'm not going to do a lot today, but I want to bring this one point home. Who's being blessed so far by what's being said? 
Okay, now, it's a messenger of Satan. First of all, take your eyes off the people. Stop thinking about the Negroes. It's the messenger of Satan working through them to throw the thorns and the dots at you. It's not them. These people may genuinely care about you and love you. But the fact that you are moving into a place, the enemy is going to come at the people closest to you sometime. Those are the people who are going to have the biggest effect on you. And those people will begin to reject you right away because he knows that right away that's going to throw you off your game. It is what it is. Took a while for me to figure it out. But now that I figured it out, there ain't no going back. Watch this. So it said there was a thorn in his flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me. I want you to take the word buffet right now with me. The messenger of Satan to buffet me. Ready? To strike with the fist, to give one the blow with the fist. Or the second one is to maltreat or treat with violence. Watch this. The attack is to buffet. Ready? But it can't prevent. Kwame's a boxer. Just because you took a couple of hits don't mean you out. Don't even mean you down. He didn't even say to stop. He didn't say to hinder. He said to buffet. Just to kind of slow you down to keep you from the destiny. Only you can stop it. But he'll throw stuff at you to, to, to hit you and injure you to, to try to slow down the process of what God is doing. Pay attention. Boxer on, online, I've been to fighting martial arts, I understand this. If you're with a trainer, who's trying to make you better, he will do the same thing this enemy is doing with the intention of making you stronger. What do you mean? If I get in the ring with Kwame the box and he's really trying to train me for a championship, he's going to try to punch my face in. You will keep your hand up next time. I tell you, you keep that hand up. Or you put, Yo, keep your hand up. I'm going to punch that body. I'm going to hit it. Why? Because I need to make that body resistant to punches. Because the messenger of Satan will buffet you. And if you're a punk or you're weak or you haven't trained and you're not ready for a fight, when he buffets you, you're going to ball up in a little corner and cry like a little baby. So the devil will keep you with his buffets from ever being successful. But the idea is, well, I'm going to take that as training and learn how to block and defend myself, and then I'm going to knock that punk flat out because he's just a buffeter. He is not a messenger to knock me out. He's not a messenger to stop me. He's not a messenger to prevent me. He's a messenger that comes with a desire to, but his power is only to buffet. I'm going to learn to roll with that punch. I'm going to learn to take that punch and go, is that all you got? Is that all you got? Right, my turn. Now it's time to see what I do. Right? The attacks of the enemy have buffeting power. And that's it. They don't have the power to knock you out. You only have the power to knock you out. 
who's with me today. So now I'm learning to take attacks. Count it all joy. Ah, well, my strength is perfected in my weakness. I'm jumping ahead of myself to the last message. Let me stay on course. Thank you, Lord. All right, let me stay on course. Stay on course. Let's go forward. For this thing, I besought the Lord thrice, three times that it may depart from me. Make the opponent stop punching me. I'm in this boxing match, but I want him to not fight. I want him to just stand there and let me fight. No, he's trying to uh, buffet you. Make him stop. I want to win the race without running. I want to be strong without lifting. Yes, it all sounds stupid, doesn't it? Well, it's the same thing here. He is an unwilling trainer if you make him that. Whatever the Satan tries to do, he, look at him now, this, so you work for the Lord now for me. You're just a trainer. And I'm going, you'll be my practice dummy that I'm going to practice busting your face in because you only have the power to buffet me. I hope you're catching this. Watch this. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Correct. Weight training, running, boxing, all of that stuff is perfected in your weakness. When you're using it and working with it from your weak place, you're perfected. School, education, you come to take a class because you don't know. You're a big dummy. You don't understand how it works. You don't know what the teacher's talking about the first couple of days. This stuff is ridiculous. He's giving us these books. I don't even understand what half of this stuff means. And a couple of months into the class, like, oh, and then a few more, oh, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, it's not a big deal. I, I understand now when you're saying these things. It's not foreign to me. I've heard it enough that's become a part of my vocabulary. Watch this. But that's not the point I want to push. I pushed a lot of good points today. But here's the point I want to push today. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient. So we're going to talk about two things today, sufficiency and grace. Because he said, yeah, that's the title. It's still part of the other message, but it's the title. Sufficiency and grace. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. You ready for this? You ready for this? Let's talk about sufficient. I'm going to go into the, the Greek and I'm going to break down sufficient. To be possessed with unfailing strength, to be strong, to suffice, to be enough, to defend, to ward off, to be satisfied, to be contended. Watch this. The messenger of Satan to buff it, but you have sufficiency, strength unfailing, to be strong enough, to defend, to ward off. He buffets, I ward off. He swings. I ward up. You see that you see this happening right here. His strength that he gives you in sufficiency to block and ward off all of his attacks. Say this with me. Whatever the attack, I have the strength, sufficiency, and ability to defend myself. 
Not, oh God, give me strength. You have it. But now I, I, I went backwards, right? Because it says when the enemy tries to buffet you, you have sufficiency. I'm reading it again. To be possessed with unfailing strength. Somebody say unfailing strength. Say, I possess unfailing strength. Watch this. To defend and ward off. To be satisfied, to be contended. Now, here's where we're going to go. So you have the strength unfailing. He said, but my grace is sufficient. So now we need to talk about what this grace is. Because we know it's unfailing strength. It comes with unfailing strength to ward off and defend. But what is this grace? Like I said, I heard all my life, it was unmerited favor. But what I found out when I looked at this in this context, it was different. Ready? My grace. Say God's grace is sufficient for me. This is the definition of this grace. Graciousness as gratifying of men or act, abstract or concrete, literal or figurative or spiritual. So I'm breaking down first the, all the way it defines how it works. Figurative or spiritual, especially the divine influence upon the heart. Not just unmerited favor, a divine influence upon your heart. And it's reflection in the life, including gratitude, acceptable, benefit, favor, gift, grace, joy, liberally, pleasure, thankworthy. My grace is all of this stuff. Come on, y'all. Watch this. So in this sense, then in this, I broke down the meaning of the word, but now in this context, his grace is that which affords joy, pleasure, delight, sweetness, charm, loveliness, grace of speech, goodwill, loving kindness, favor of the merciful, kindness by which God exerted his holy influence upon the souls and turns them to Christ. Are you listening to all of this stuff? He's saying what the enemy is doing to buffet you. All of this that I just read, my grace with sufficiency and unfailing strength. So everything I just read, add with unfailing strength to that and the power to fend off. So let me see if I can read that again. He said, God, make this go away. He said, wait a minute. But my grace, which affords joy and pleasure and delight and sweetness and charm and loveliness and grace of speech and goodwill and love and kindness and favor. And I can go on and on and on and on and on and on. Um, bounty and, and, and the gift of grace and benefits and thanks and recompense and reward. All of this is in the definition. All of that, you have that in unfailing power against a buffet. Do you see how magnanimous the promise of God is to this one little thing that the thorn in the flesh or the buffet is? How does the buffet stand up to that? 
It does not unless you let it. That's like you saying we got a heavyweight champion of the world and he's going to face you today. Okay. And I train for a couple of months, three months. Okay. That ain't enough training. Okay. But I get in the ring. I said, God, I got the grace, your grace. And a five-year-old steps in there. I don't care what he's the heavyweight champion of. That five-year-old ain't taking me. He ain't taking me. The hardest punch he can throw, he's not taking me. First of all, he ain't going to reach my face. He's not taking me. So my point is, he's saying, Satan with his little five-year-old Buffett, compared to this strength and grace and power and ability and all that with sufficiency, Unending power is what you got against his buffet. It's a mismatch. There's no way we're losing unless we throw in the top. There's no way we're losing unless we count his buffet as more powerful than what it is. It's just a setback move. It's not powerful and it doesn't, and it's Jesus, thank you, Lord. And Satan does not have the ability to close. He's not a closer. He's not a finisher. He don't have what it takes to finish. He may have a good punch, but he's not a finisher. People that know how to fight and box and move and step, finishers, finishers, closers. Last thing I'll say, I was watching the movie the other night, um, Big George Foreman. It's a good movie. Good movie. And it was showing George Foreman's, you know, walk from obscurity to greatness to total annihilation by Muhammad Ali to back to giving his life to the Lord and, and getting saved in his locker room and becoming great. But here's the thing. Those of you who are not old enough to remember, Ali's biggest contender at the time was Joe Frazier. Ali could not, not knock that man out. He could not. He had two fights with him. One fight, Frazier broke his, I think he broke his jaw. He won. One fight. Um, it was close decision, but Ali won by decision. He never knocked him out. The third fight, Ali won. But it was, no, Frazier, I think, won that last fight. Was that right? Did Frazier win the third one, um, Kwame? Yeah, Nick, you don't know? Okay, well, I know somehow, right, no, Frazier did win because Foreman took the belt from Frazier. Frazier won. Frazier was the champ. I, George Foreman fought Frazier, and Frazier would go full fight every time with Ali to the end. Couldn't knock that man out. Foreman got in the ring and knocked that man out in second. I mean, he beat that man so bad. It was a, just a, it was a massacre. It was a mismatch. He made Joe Frazier look like an amateur. He literally hit him one time and he bounced up off his feet. Literally beat that man senseless. Everybody he fought, he was just like, he was like what Mike Tyson was before Mike Tyson, just running through people. Ali challenged them to a fight. They said to Ali, He's going to kill you. 
You understand, that man's going to kill you. That man is something, you can't beat this man. I was like, I could beat him. He's making fun of him, calling him the mommy, whatever the case may be. That's not the point. Here's the point. They got in the ring and he came at Ali with his, I'm just going to knock you right out in a few seconds like I do everybody else attitude. Ali, that's where the rope adult was born, but that's not the point. Ali beat him so bad mentally, so bad. He would lay on the ropes and cover up his face and hold him. And he said, George, I thought you could hit. People said you were strong. That's what you got. That's all you got. Like, my grandmother hit harder than you. This, this is what you got. He did that in that man's ear for eight full rounds. And then after he that man was worn down, he said, my turn, and turn around and knock that man flat out. The enemy will try to tell you you ain't got it. But you do. And he knows you do because he knows this verse. And you know, I know he knows this verse because when he came to Jesus and he said, well, you know, he's jump off this mountain because he said he'll lift you up unless you dash your foot against the stone. He'll twist it, but he knows it. And his thing is, he knows you don't know. But you do now. You are better. You are stronger. You have God's grace to win. There's no way and sufficiency. So you have his grace and you have it with unending, unyielding power. There's no way we're supposed to lose. There's no way we were designed to lose. And don't take these setbacks that may be looking at you right now and these buffets and give the devil power enough to talk in your ear and convince you that you can't win or that you're not winning. You are winning. You already won. You won before you got in the ring because God designated it so. So what you going to do? So now I'm saying to Satan, I thought you could hit. They said you could hit. This is what this is this what you got? That's all you got? My turn. My turn. And that's why I'm in life right now. My turn. Now let me show you how I hit. Wow. One last boxing reference. Holyfield and Tyson. He's going to hurt you. He's going to do you harm. Holyfield said, I can take what he can throw. The question is, can he take what I can throw? Devil, I could take what you can throw. The question is, can you take what I can throw? It's time to get off the ropes. It's time, time to stop being in defensive mode and shielding God. Take this from me, God. Take the thorn from my flesh, God. Make it go away. Stand up, put your foot flat, and throw your hands up and step forward. And watch him flee like the coward the Bible he says. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. He ain't even going to stand and do the fight. He's going to punch on you as long as you lay in there in fetal position. But the moment you throw those hands up and step forward, he's going to do exactly what he does best. Flee. My turn. My turn. Somebody say it with me. My turn. Here I come now. I'm swinging. 
And I already have the victory because his grace and sufficiency is all I need. In Jesus' name, amen.